I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and joining me on the other line, lounging in the satellite branch from scenic Hamilton, Ontario, is your girl, Kayla McKinnon. Hi, everyone. There's Pep. Pep has returned. I got got Pep. I got lots of Pep. I got Pep for days. Pep, Pep was not very present on the last episode. You were very you're very chilled and laid back in the cut on the last episode. Well, I have my my peps and my downs. <laughs> How much tea have you had today? Only one cup. <laughs> so it's only one pot. Friends, this is episode <laughs> 199 as are they all until such time as we could probably commemorate episode 200. Every episode is episode 199. If you would like to listen to any of our other episode 199s or any of our other 199 episodes, look us up wherever you get your audio content. Just search Geek Down Podcast. You will find us. You can hit subscribe or follow or however it is phrased on your audio content provider. And henceforth, every week, new episodes will be brought to you by your man. Chauncey Frasilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. Ooh, girl, he's just going to bring those episodes to you. You don't have to do anything. We get it. It's hot. You're in quarantine. You can't do anything. You don't want to do anything. You just want to sit there and just be like, mm, there's a new episode mm. of the Geek Down. You don't even have to do it. You don't even have to lift your hand. He's there for you. If you would like to thank Chauncey or let us know uh, ways in which you are spending your time in the molten hell that is Canadian summers, do that via most social media, primarily Twitter. That's where we tend to hang out the most. Or you can swing by Facebook. I think Kate's still there. I'm still there You're sometimes. St- sometimes. You did no, you po you posted something. You posted something and I clicked on it. What the hell was it? Did I? You did. What? That doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> it doesn't sound like me either. What the hell? It might have been an ad about uh sexual health from the New Zealand government. It was it that. Wasn't you posted that and I clicked it. Health. Did you like it? Like in my soul or with my clicks? Oh, in your soul. In my soul, yes. I did not click a like button. Wow. Wow. Facebook doesn't get to know it that about me. Are you insane? Because Jordan is mean to me and he doesn't like my stuff. <laughs> mean, to, mean to you. Yes, I'm the primary reason. Validation for me is the primary reason you're on Facebook. No. <laughs> That's right. We don't believe you. Friends, if you would like to support this endeavor financially, don't. Keep your money or spend it on black-owned businesses. (laughs) The emergency relief benefit, they say it's extending, but you don't know how long that's going to last. You don't know when you're going back to work. Hell, I don't know when I'm going back to work or what the hell I'll be doing or when I'll be doing it or where I'll be doing it. That's just the times we are living in, y'all. So keep your money or if you have any money, like Kate said, support a black-owned business. Yeah. Kate, what week is it? I don't care. <laughs> it's just hot um, and stupid. It's it's uh, Canadian summers in southern Ontario are molten lava week. <laughs> the summer is lava. 
Oh my god, that's a show on Netflix, <laughs> not the summer. Like, it's lava. Get up on the porch. You said you see that Netflix has a show called The Floor Is Lava. Yes, yes, I did. Ha- have you watched that show? No. I might need is to. It amazing. I don't know. I don't know. I'm watching. I might need to. Yeah, it's hot. I've done nothing. Like I said, I had some, I had some work drama in the last week. Some some lack of clarity in my life that has since become clear, but for a minute, for a hot minute there, it was a uh, it was R U F F very stressful. Two pints of Ben and Jerry's for the week. Ooh, it's on sale at the No Frills, yo. There's a there's a lot of stress. I was telling I was telling Kate there was one moment where I was working on something uh, most of the afternoon. And I said, well, my laptop needs a charge, and I'm just going to call it a night on this and eat that Ben and Jerry's. Put it down, opened the Ben and Jerry's, went to have a bite, and just felt my jaw unclenching. Because I had just been sitting there with my teeth ground together for, like, three hours. That's how I sleep sometimes. Is it? <laughs> it is. That sounds terrible. No, it sounds peppy. <laughs> She's taking all that pep into, <laughs> into dreamland with her, just like, Argh. <laughs> I'm gonna be a Viking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna force those dreams into reality. Well, that's what you gotta do sometimes. You can't just wait for your dreams to come to you. Sometimes you go out, go out there and take those dreams. That's what Gary Gary yeah. Gary V would tell you. Basically, dreams have always been on a COVID schedule. <laughs> what does that mean? It means they come to me. I don't go oh. out and get them. <laughs> Uh, speaking of deliveries, yeah, got pretty much all of them now. My that's pretty my exciting. Month months long record purchases from like April. I think I only got one one left, still kicking around, but it was a late purchase, so I don't I don't expect it to be rocking in anytime soon. But you know what that means, Kate? What does that mean? It means I'm itchy. The sound <laughs> of sickness. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> means I'm itchy again. Just saying that for your laughter. We don't have to get into it. That's a Mr. That's a me and Mr. Malash type of sickness, <laughs> sickness ward conversation. But oof. friends, be getting itchy finding records that just smash the slap to dollar ratio. Slap. So I know there's news. Kate said she has some. The only news I saw that I guess is we're talking about. Well, I have two things. I have one thing that's very nice and one thing that isn't nice at all. But I guess I'll start with that trash fire and then kate can bring us back up and i'll i'll dunk for the win with the with the other best thing yeah. sound like a plan yeah, i think that's a great plan sound like an, an emotional emotional role we can take the listeners on um yeah, i mean they haven't had an adventure in a long time <laughs> i've just been locked down watching netflix you need an adventure we're here to bring it to you so surprise to no one men continue to be awful Hashtag men are awful. Hashtag men are awful. No, it's hashtag speaking out now. Apparently, Me Too is bad branding at this point. I don't know. They have a new one now. What? Listen, um, not a woman affected by such matters, so I'm not going to judge their hashtag game. That's what they've gone with. Um, both kind of like started at the same time. I saw uh, in the field of comedy... First, we had Chris D'Elia, comedian Chris D'Elia, who apparently was on that show You, playing a comedian who was also a pedophile, which is when um, this Twitter user who uh, alleges she was groomed by him, as have many others, 
come forward since, uh, noted the irony in having Chris D'Elia play this character. Great. Great indeed. So while that was happening to Chris D'Elia, apparently uh, comic artist Cameron Stewart was also getting accused of the same thing. Which then kind of opened a floodgate on the comic book side of things, uh, most notably Warren Ellis, I believe. Had a bunch of allegations brought towards him, including, and this is a phrase I had never heard before, Kate. Are you familiar with bluebearding? I didn't even know that was a verb. Uh, no. I mean, I know the story of Bluebeard, so I'm terrified now. <laughs> Best as I can find. And people on Twitter were, like, using it like it's just, like, an accepted term. And I was like, word? But apparently it's just like, you know, it's like the nerdiest way ever to accuse somebody of being, like, what at one time would have been called a player. Like somebody who just seduces and leaves women. Right. So yeah, Ellis has had that thrown at him as well. It then expanded to uh, professional wrestling. There have been some releases uh, for most companies at this point uh, of wrestlers who have been accused of various forms of assault or unwanted uh, advances and just a whole. It, it's way more kind of, you know, niche is a bad word for it, but like because these are such sort of this isn't like the movies or proper professional sports like stand-up comedy comic books they're quote-unquote smaller fields but they seem to be like it's just as widespread as anywhere else and it's just been kind of going going rampant and i don't know all the facts on all of these or all the allegations that have been made just has been it's been a lot of that this week as far as i can tell so yeah well (laughs) i'm gonna go into good news now hit me this is this is us ascending after that descent. So it's a little far away, but the entertain or sorry the the lineup for the next uh, Star Trek: The Cruise, which is in its fifth anniversary next year. I'm sorry. What? Yeah, there's the Star Trek: The Cruise. The cruise, like a boat. Yeah, yeah, it's on a boat. Give me, we'll get to it in a second. Caitlin, give me the lineup. Okay. It's amazing. It's George Takai, mm-hmm. Walter Koenig, Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, Gates McFadden, Dennis Crosby, John Delancey, Terry Farrell, Alexander Siddig, Nana Visitor, Max Goldenschick, Robert Picardo, Ethan Phillips, Garrett Wang, John Belinsky, Connor uh, Trinier, Anthony Montgomery, and Anthony Rapp. It's amazing. Kate. Yeah. I didn't hear one mention of Kate Mulgrew. No. No, she, she's not there. I didn't hear one mention of Patrick Stewart. No, he's busy. I didn't hear one mention of Avery Brooks. He's crazy. Is he? <laughs> oh, he's totally nuts. I think he, I don't know if he still teaches theater or drama, but he was, he taught at some university. Haven't you seen the, like, five captains? Or the three captains, or whatever it's called. No. Oh my gosh. Okay, so there's a couple of them, but one of them, um, it, it's basically the, the they got together a bunch of the Star Trek captains, mm. and there's one with Avery Brooks, and Avery Brooks is just a madman. <laughs> like he's absolutely flies off the handle. I think several times. <laughs> And just the other captains are like, what is going on? But it's basically a conversation about Star Trek and being a captain and, and what that means and the fans and all of that. It's it's really, really neat. Um, but yeah, so yeah, he's just, he's sort of a madman. 
Good times. But so it's a boat full of B listers, and the bigger question is, yeah, yeah, Kate, yeah, are you going on the Star Trek cruise? No, I can't afford the Star Trek cruise. Also, it's a boat. You know what it is? It's probably Kate Mulgrew, like myself, doesn't like boats. Like, yeah, it. Well, look, it doesn't matter when this is. Ain't nobody going on a boat for like the next like four years. I Easy. think a lot of people are going to go on this boat. <laughs> Insert. I think well, it is the coronavirus fifth, drop. Coronavirus. Fifth year they've done this, so the fifth year. Sorry, yeah. did you know Chris Jericho also has a cruise? What? The Rock and Wrestling Rager. At sea. That's amazing. Yeah, bro. You go on the Chris Jericho cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Only, Jordan, mm-hmm. if I'm not on the list. <laughs> you demand to be on a list. Which would you rather go on, the Chris Jericho cruise or the Star Trek cruise? <laughs> I mean, the Star Trek cruise, obviously. Probably get more out of the, the Star Chris- Trek cruise, but... Yeah, exactly. But also, I know Star Trek fans, and some of them are fine, and some of them are not. <laughs> You just described fandom, period. I almost feel like we can stop doing the show. It's a good thing we're going on hiatus. That's going to be a good button to, like, end the show on for a while. It's just like, that's fandom. Yeah. Some fans are good. Some fans are not. Are not. No. Um, okay, well, speaking of things that people get very excited for. Oh, my God, she's got more Star news. Trek, that is coming coming a little bit sooner is that Netflix Canada has announced that they're going to stream 21 there's, Studio Ghibli movies starting my, on June 25th. There was my other piece of news, so yes. <laughs> Go well, ahead. Share the joy, Share the joy, Caitlin. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm pretty freaking excited. Um, they do mention in the article I read that they sort of give a list of all the, the films. Um Missing specifically is uh, the one of the most recent ones, The Wind Rises. It apparently will land on Netflix Canada on August 1st. Um, yes, but I- missing definitely from that list, which is of interest, is 1988's Grave of the Fireflies, which I feel is not there because it is the most depressing film <laughs> ever. Definitely, uh, definitely is the odd one out of the... Of the catalog, although there are, at first I thought it was just going to be like a divide between uh, Miyazaki and Takahata type stuff, but uh, Tale of Princess Kaguya is on there. Yes. My Neighbor the the Yamadas is there as well, which is another uh, Takahata movie that is gorgeous and has put me to sleep every time I watch it. Um, (laughs) Not exactly action-packed. It's just wild to me because some of these, like, go back to, like, my fan-sub days, like... The first time I saw Nausicaa was on, like, a bootleg VHS I got from somebody in, like, Georgia, like, that I met on a message um, board. Same thing with the I can't, I can't believe how amazing these movies are and how old they are and how well that they've aged. Yeah, I mean, like, God, Totoro. Kiki's been 89, goddamn. Yeah. Totoro is, is from 1988. And I got the list in front of me, so let's just, let's just run through them. Ganaska of the Valley of the Wind from 1984. Just amazing narrative story. Some of the animation might not hold up, but some of it is very impressive. When you see those worms start kind of moving separate in separate segments, you're going to be like, how did they do that? It was 1984. <laughs> uh, Laputa Castle in the Sky, 86. 
That movie's fantastic. I thought that one came out later. Apparently not. Uh, My Neighbor Totoro, God Level. We don't even need to mention it. Kiki's Delivery Service, very close to God Level. Yeah. Only Yesterday is one of the... Yeah, that's by the the other guy who I actually have not seen his movie. So I'm looking forward to having those easily. Whisper of the Heart, I've heard, is fantastic. That's from 95. Uh, And also the movie that uh, spawned uh, Lo-Fi Homework Girl. That's where, not exactly, but like that image got flagged too much for copyright. So they just kind of like whoever, like the Lord of lo-fi hip hop mixes, uh, just kind of like gave her the green sweatshirt type of thing. Um, did you skip over some on purpose? Not on purpose, but okay. Ocean waves I've heard is very good as well. Uh, yeah. So it's Totoro Kiki's only yesterday, Porco Rosso, which I like, but it's not probably for everyone. Um, yeah. Ocean waves. I have not seen Pompoko is the Tanuki movie, which I haven't seen. It's another Takahata whisper, the heart princess Mononoke, obviously amazing. My neighbor, the Amadas puts me to sleep, spirited away. Amazing cat returns sequel to whisper of the heart. How's moving castle, which I actually have not seen. If you can believe that. What? I did not see. Howl's I can't believe that. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of late Miyazaki stuff I hadn't seen because it seemed like even though he was retiring, he just put shit out all the fucking time. <laughs> I didn't see Howl's. I didn't see Ponyo. Um, I don't think I saw Arietti wasn't him. I think that was his kid. But from up on Poppy Hill in 2011, I can't even remember if <laughs> it, what that I movie saw it, was. And I can tell you that it was fine, but it was not, not a lot a, happened. In not that a Miyazaki movie. movie. Um, Taylor Princess Kaguya I've been amped to want to check out forever. It was uh, Takahata's last movie. Uh, when Marnie was there, which I have seen, surprisingly, um, Miyazaki's son. At the time, they were like, this is going to be the last Ghibli movie. <laughs> oh, oh, don't be silly. Ghibli. Again, as we always say, yes, I know it's Ghibli. I refuse to pronounce it like that. Um, and The Wind Rises, yeah, like Kate it said. it sounds better as Ghibli. It does. <laughs> And like Kate said, uh, Miyazaki's last finished work, even though he's working on something right now, um, The Wind Rises, that will be out on August 1st. It's actually a ton of anime hitting Netflix of various, like, levels of renown. Like, One Piece hit Netflix. You can watch, like, 180 episodes of One Piece right now. I'm not going <laughs> to do it. Stop asking me. I'm not that bored. But, like, more seasons of JoJo hit, more seasons of Haikyuu hit, uh, the first season of Food Wars is getting added. <laughs> Who wants to eat cabbage rolls so good you sploosh? You will on Food Wars. I'm a little irritated that like seasons of Attack on Titan have not hit because that was like the, my first like entry back into anime was watching Attack on Titan on Netflix. Uh, so yeah, good time to be anime fan on ye old Netflix. It's also a good time if you were a Babysitter's Club fan. <laughs> Who among us? Um, not actually one of the things I was ever interested in. Really? Yeah. Uh, and I never read the books. Didn't care about I think there was a movie. Um, Do you hate babysitting yeah. or entrepreneurship? I don't hate either of those <laughs> things. I just wasn't interested in a lame story about lame girls with their lame babysitters club don't you ever talk that way about who wrote those was that francine pascal or was that sweet valley high i can't remember 
I don't know. Also, Sweet Valley High, not something I was interested in. Um, but it is coming to Netflix. Like an animated or a live action? Live action. This is some show. But there's a trailer, if you're interested. Uh, should It's hitting Netflix July 3rd. And some of what looked to be the saddest anime ever made are either already on Netflix or are going to be. Um, was the one, A Whisker Away, about the girl who like turns into a cat to be near the boy she loves. That's already on there. Couldn't bring myself to start that this week. Um, and then that fucking No Man's Land show from the guy who did Devil Man Crybaby. <laughs> <laughs> that like I sent Kate the trailer and she was like nope 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 family um, trying to survive after Japan plummets into chaos following an earthquake <laughs> like good lord that's a chill hang Jordan yes this is supposed to be pep week not <laughs> depressing anime week I don't I'm not responsible for Netflix's production budget I didn't make them I didn't mandate them to commission these programs watch Babysitter's Club feel better for yourself <laughs> Um, other good news. Uh huh. Hamilton. Is oh yes, going to be on Disney Plus on July third. Maybe I'll watch it. It's pretty exciting. Is that going to be? Maybe someone will make you. Is that going to be the? Uh, the girl. It's July. You can't tell me anything in July. <laughs> We're off in July. Um, is Maybe that, it'll be for August Watcharama. Is that like Christmas for the musical loving uh, McKinnon Senior Correspondent House? Is that going to be like a major event? Oh, yes, Senior Correspondent is – Senior Correspondent thought in May, accidentally thought it was June 3rd, and he was so excited, and then June 3rd rolled around, and he was so upset. <laughs> Scrolling relentlessly. Another season of Goldblum. Fuck that. Where's Hamilton? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so he's very, very excited. I'm also pretty excited. Um but not quite as excited as he is. That's happening. And then also, uh, Perry Mason has begun. <laughs> I was um, wondering if that would be of interest to you or not, how much you'd be into that. So, um, Perry Mason is interesting because Perry Mason has been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think longer than people think. Like, the first book came out in the early 1930s. Um, and there's been two TV shows, and then there was like a series of movies. Um, Raymond Burr, he was in the series in the 19... Everything. 1957 to 1966. Um, he did again in the 80s, and then, didn't he? And then, no, then there was a, a someone different in the 1970s, and then... Um, Raymond Burr came back for the series of movies that ran from the mid-80s to the mid-90s. And um, apparently this Perry Mason, it's interesting because Perry Mason was always a defense attorney, but he would like investigate and get his clients off because he'd find out who the real killer was. I don't think any of his his cases were ever guilty. <laughs> But he used to take cases that, like, interested him, which is a little bit of a flavor of of Sherlock Holmes, if you've ever read Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes would kind of take cases that were interesting rather than mandatory. Um, So Perry Mason is kind of like that. Um, But apparently this Perry Mason is uh, an investigator, though he might have 
you might find we might find out that he was um a defense attorney he need, seems to know some stuff about the law but um i'm just it looks really good the production value is really good um it is a uh uh i know his name i know his name uh oh i can do this he played iron man <laughs> mm-hmm. he did i am iron man no not the guy who plays Perry Mason, but no, the guy production. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. There you go. Yes. <laughs> it's a team Downey production. Woo. <laughs> really working out those brains. He off. played Iron Man. <laughs> okay, you know what? Literally, like, the most important portrayal of, like, present nerddom. Anyway. <laughs> Um, yes. So, I'm, I have a lot of faith in that, because Downey knows movies, and knows good cinema, and anyways, what I've heard, it's pretty good so far. The Mary Sue said it looks sexy. Does it look sexy to you? Oh, no. No. (laughs) Not on board for sexy Perry Mason? I think there are some people who find the, like, uh, this man, or sometimes woman, but this usually this man is a disaster as like a sexy quality. Mm. I do not. <laughs> I want a man who can help me with my taxes and who makes me laugh, not who is like an alcoholic, <laughs> a recovering alcoholic who wears a fedora. Like that's just not my scene. But I think it's and it, I think interesting characters are fine for a television show or movie, just not in a relationship. So I do not find the like three to five days of of face growth and like under eye bags and the the gentle smell of cigarettes and and whiskey. I don't find that alluring. Well, friends, it's a good thing we're doing this podcast over the phone this month. <laughs> I'd be horrified. Set it for news. Um, just one one sad bit of news. Mm. Um, which is that uh, Joel Schumacher. Oh right, I did right. I did see this. Passed away at eighty eight. Um, I feel really bad because Joel Schumacher is is known for as like <laughs> the man who gave us fat nipples, yes. which is just a terrible thing to be known for. Um, basically he directed Batman and Robin and Batman forever and Batman and Robin. Yes. Um, and, uh, Batman and Robin and he gave us the bat suit with the bat nipples, which Mm -hmm. I think I didn't actually ever find them really that noticeable, but apparently they are, (laughs) but he's also done other things. (laughs) Um, he, I think he directed the lost boys and a bunch of other stuff. But I just feel bad. I feel a. I feel bad that he passed away. Rest in peace. I also feel bad that he is known as the man who gave us bad nipples. But there we are. <laughs> there, there we are. <laughs> there we are. This is the world we live in now. Maybe, maybe you can suggest something else we could know Joel Schumacher for. Some. Uh, he did a Time to Kill. Oh, there we are. Um. He did do The Lost Boys. He did Flatliners, which is a great forgotten. Oh my gosh, forgotten... it's a great film. They made a remake, which is just they bleh. don't just don't <laughs> don't talk about the remake of Flatliners. 
Fuck, I want to watch OG Flatliners now. Is that on Amazon Prime? I feel like that would be on Amazon Prime. Oh my gosh, he did St. Elmo's Fire? He did St. Elmo's Fire, he did The Client and Time to Kill. Um, he did Falling Down? Well, that's all I need in life. Oh my gosh. He did Falling Down, that's all I need. He did 8mm? He did. He also, Questlove posted like a memorial on him, because I think he wrote a lot of, uh, I think he wrote a lot of, uh... Well, he did... Um, he didn't direct The Wiz, but he right Sparkle wrote Car Wash, Sparkle Car Wash, and The Wiz. He wrote the screenplay for, yeah, and qu- which were very important, like seventies black cinema. Because was oh, like, yeah. all my favorite stories were written by Joel Schumacher. That's wild. I love that he obviously liked working with Nicolas Cage, which <laughs> just oh, makes me so happy. And that will come up when we talk about the things we watch. Well, that's a segue. If I, your segue game is really on point today, and that's one if I ever heard one. Thanks. Go into it. Thanks. You just want me to launch? Go ahead. All right. Um, guess who watched the movie Gone in 60 Seconds for the first time <laughs> this weekend? I don't, know, I don't know if Nicolas Cage was on a different diet, whether they stopped giving him sugar or what it is, but Gone in 60 Seconds has to be his most laid-back performance. <laughs> Like, only once does he do, like, a crazy Nicolas Cage hand gesture, which I am now doing because I've decided I'm going to practice it and perfect it. Um, it's the let's ride hand gesture. You can see it in the – you don't have to watch the film. You can see it in the trailer. I like, a, I remember it from the trailers when I was, like, 14. I was about to be like, he was pretty chill at that era, but no, like, face-off existed. Like, no, he's been <laughs> oh, – yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting mm-hmm. film – there were a lot of people in that film uh, that I just. It's a Michael Bay. Is that a Michael Bay movie? Bruckheimer and oh, Bay. Oh God! I don't know, but now I want to know. I want to know everything about this film now. Oh my God! It was a remake. It was a remake. Uh, when I punched it into Wikipedia, it's a 1974 movie, and uh, it's a loose remake of the 1974 film with the same name. Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. Was directed by. Um, oh no, it was produced Dominic by Bruckheimer. Cena. It was a Bruckheimer movie, but it was directed by some nobody. <laughs> Sorry, Dominic Cena. Um, Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> yes, this is what I'm saying. It was just weird. So it was Nicolas Cage, Angelina Jolie. They have zero chemistry together. <laughs> Giovanni Ribisi, which I just like seeing him and stuff because he's like, <laughs> since I was a kid, he was just, he's just steadfastly been in movies. Will Patton, Christopher, uh, Robert Duvall, like there's just so many people who appear in this film. Um, yeah. Anyways, that was a wild ride. A wild ride you regret, or I don't know. It was it was interesting because um, Senior Correspondent Chris watched it with me, and he informed me that a lot of the devices that they were using were real devices that you use to steal cars. Mm. And and that was interesting. Now, I, they did something interesting with the in the film, which I don't know if I appreciate it or not, but they didn't explain anything. They didn't explain, like, that you have to use different methods to break into different cars. They didn't explain – they explained some bits – um, and I almost wish I knew more about that because some of the things that they do are actually really cool. 
Um, but they kind of just like, like just launch you into the world of it, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. It was fine. Like it wasn't an amazing movie, but it, it also wasn't the worst Nicolas Cage movie. Like I've seen Face Off. Um, Don't you ever. I've seen Captain Corelli's Mandolin. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Only so, person. Be the, I'm not surprised that Captain Corelli's mandolin has been mentioned on this podcast. Like it, that's very on brand <laughs> for this podcast. But yeah, I just I, I wasn't. I'm not surprised, but I wasn't expecting it. Um, it's just it's a it's not it's not a great period drama because <laughs> accents are bad and and it just bleh. Um, do you want to know what is a great period drama? I, I can barely contain my anticipation. Kate and Leopold. Oh my God. <laughs> Have you seen this movie? I feel like this movie's come up many times on the podcast. <laughs> it, it probably has. I have seen it several <laughs> times. Aren't you perpetually watching this movie? <laughs> no. It, it's funny because it's not even my, it's not even a favorite movie. I just enjoy watching that movie. Um... It's just, and also, uh, what's her face's hair is terrible in that movie, like atrocious. So it's almost like it's a it's one of those watches where there's some things that are great, and there are some things that are terrible about that that movie. Like Meg Ryan's hair is actually the worst. Um. Yeah, and weirdly, Hugh Jackman and Leave Schreiber are in that movie. But if you just want, like, a fun thing to have on the background, go with Kate and Leopold. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. Mm. As always, uh, I watched Avatar Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> no change there. Um, but otherwise, didn't do much. I But I swam in a lake this weekend, so I think that, that counts as, as entertainment. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. There we are. Well, I don't have, because it was so hot, because I was having work stress, I didn't, uh, I've been going on a lot of walks this week. Apparently I live near a beach. This was news to me. And yes, he's not, he's not being sarcastic. I thought when he mentioned this to me early, he was being sarcastic and he's not at all. And I don't know how to feel about that. Typically I go down to the the lakefront and I hang out. A left, and I go down near Ontario Place. Today, I was like, F it, I'll hang a right. There was a beach. <laughs> like a full-on beach. For lounging. Yes. And standing in the lake. Yes. Possibly swimming. Yes. Totally news to me. <laughs> Toronto's wild, y'all. Um, one thing I did do this morning, uh, The Last Ride came back from hiatus, the Undertaker documentary. And wrapped up uh, answering the question that we all kind of suspected, but it's basically like him saying after this Boneyard match that he was, you know, never say never, but he's good to walk away now. So it was basically like his five-part, like, retirement announcement, Um, which on the one hand is like, goodbye, childhood. Um, But on the other hand is like, you know, the guy gave 30 plus years. So the business, the one thing I really liked um, is on the fourth, the Ram 5 episodes, the fourth episode, he's 
they're talking about kind of like when you know to hang it up type of thing. And, you know, it, this is not like a Mickey Rourke type thing and the wrestler where he like needs the fame or the crowd pops. Like that's all part of it. But he said this one thing that I thought was just so fascinating about who this guy is and that part of the business where he says like the hard part for him is in when he's in a wrestling ring, it's the one place on earth where he has all the answers like husband, father. Nope. (laughs) But anything that happens in when he's in a wrestling ring, he can like, he knows how to deal with it. And that's the, like, if there's an addictive part of it for him, that's the, uh, that's the part that's most difficult for him to walk away from. Is just a place where he knows all the answers. And I'd never heard a phrase like that before, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, that is really interesting. And then, like, the fifth part is, like, so he's, he, I don't know what he had done. Oh, he did a podcast. He did Steve Austin's podcast talking about how, like, basically kind of leaning into this idea that he wasn't done yet and, or that he wanted to have, like, one or two more go out on his terms, and that perked up AJ Styles' ears, and... Honestly, watching the last episode was what I've heard from listeners about who have, like, fallen behind on the podcast and, like, listened to, like, March and April. (laughs) And listened to, like, what the world was like before it exploded, because that's what you're watching here. Like, when he started talking with AJ Styles about having a match at WrestleMania, they thought it was going to be a regular match. Right. Like, it's like... Oh, actually, no. The world's exploding. Also, The Undertaker's brother died of a heart attack. Like, the day before they were supposed to film this thing. Um, And then, like, his, like, wife's nephew died in a car crash. Like, it's just, like, all this insane stuff that, like, I didn't know about the dude's life that was all kind of swirling around at the same time. It's a really fascinating watch. Um from both sides of it. I mean, you see so many different sides of the business. If you like wrestling at all, it is a good watch. Um, if you have access to the WWE network, you can go look that up or, you know, daily motions, the thing. Yeah. Sometimes they do have great stuff. <laughs> what daily motion? Yeah. Daily motion is much less police than YouTube. I'll tell you that for free. Um, what else did I watch? Not much. Oh, I watched some, that's right. I watched some more Dorhedero. Um, that show is just fucking wild. That's probably going to be on Watcharama for you. <laughs> that show was fucking wild, man. Um, watch some more Harley Quinn, but not all of it. I don't know whereabouts I was at. Um, still good. I'm not going to say it's bad, but I'll defer to what I said the first time. It's like, you know what you're getting, so it's enjoyable. But not as mind-blowing as I found the first season. Um the only other thing I've done, the thing that like took up a ton of time in the past few days is, um, so in the, God, according to Duolingo, 460 odd days that I have been studying Japanese, I have been increasingly frustrated that of the two alphabets, the two basic alphabets, hiragana, which is the base one, got that down, know that one really well, but still katakana, which is the like, Second alphabet, all the same sounds, just different symbols that they use for loan words, words that don't exist in Japanese. Right. Always trip up on. Always. Cannot get katakana down to save my life. And I was looking for an app that would help with this. And found this little app called Kana. It's just called Kana. It's glorified flashcards, basically, which is nice. But it also, and this is fun, uh, has like a writing element to it. Where now you have to be like, 
rate this character. So that's good. I'm picking up the writing. Here's what I learned about writing in Japanese, which makes Japanese continue to be the most Japanese thing ever. Um, I always knew there was a stroke order involved with writing the characters. I didn't know it was that essential because I was doing this thing just like, you know, it, it has recognition. Like, so like if you write it correctly, it'll just go bing and move on to the next one. And I'm writing them correctly, but I'm not like getting the correct answer because I'm not doing the stroke order properly. And the stroke order is so counterintuitive. It's the equivalent of dotting your eyes before you make the eye. Like, you dot your eye after you make the eye, correct? Like, dot your eyes and cross your T's. Yeah. It's the shit that comes last. Yeah. Well, no, if you're writing, if it's a tick and a loopy thing, I would always draw the loopy thing and then I'll put a little tick on it. No. They want you to make the tick first and then draw the loopy thing around it. Oh. Come on, Japanese. Come on. So, Come on. Once again, I know nothing about Japanese, but I will just get, I'll burn like an hour and a half doing these, just like test after test, quiz after quiz after quiz. On the plus side, I'm getting katakana down better than I was before. On the other hand, I'm furious all the time. That's not good. So it's, oh, this this swoopy wasn't angled enough, or it won't recognize it when I've done it right. I mean, it's a it's a very good app, I will say that, if you if you tap the little button it'll bring up like the grid and the uh like the guide so you can see how close you got it type of thing but yeah just really didn't expect even if you make your wah look like wah if you didn't make the lines in the right order it's wrong it's like mm. <laughs> of course it is and before we That's break amazing. before we break i want to talk about something that blew my mind this week that i was just shook by caitlin shook. mckinnon the thing I saw on Twitter, Kate, and it blew my mind, and I'm going to put it to you, and we're going to see, we're going to see how this goes. Caitlin McKinnon, if I tell you that Wednesday's noon meeting has been moved forward by two hours, what time's the meeting? It's been moved forward by two hours? Yes. So when was it supposed to be? Noon. Noon. So then um, it's 10 o'clock. There are people who will say 2 p.m. What? No. Yes. I think even when I saw this TikTok posted and somebody put a poll under it, I think more people said two. So You're basically it's been moved forward. The if I tell you Wednesday's yeah. noon meeting has been moved forward by 2 hours. Yeah. You say 10 a.m., I say 10 a.m. There are people in the world who say 2 p.m. Because there oh. are two ways that people view time. I don't remember the exact names, but one is you are actively moving through time. Those are the 10 p.m. There are the 2 p.m. people. And then people who feel time moves over them. And they stay still. Oh, this is getting like. Right? Oh, oh, God. No, I don't need an existential (laughs) crisis now. Yeah, just a random, just a random TikTok I saw on Sunday morning. I was like, I am fucking shook. I am shook right now. I don't need this in my life. Yep. Oh. The tweet I saw it on was like, sorry to shit post, but I watched this and was like, who the fuck would say 10 a.m.? And my husband said, me. Oh, no. It's like, because there's just, it's just like if you were to realize, if you were to understand that, like, somebody saw pink as a different color than you. Like, it's just like, you'd never... 
I never, it never occurred to me that anybody could see it any other way. Like, but what's grammatically correct? Grammatically? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know that grammar plays a part of it. It's just how you view time. I I feel like it should. Oh, you know what though? Because, (laughs) uh, this is now, oh, y'all, no, this, y'all, this has been done. the Geek Down Podcast. Uh, we're going to take a break right here while Kate figures this, <laughs> Kate processes this. Oh, and no. uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the oh. uh, thing we talked about for Opportune June. This is not, this is not good. We'll be back after this break. Hey y'all, welcome back to the program. This is the part of the show where Caitlin and I would usually talk about the things we brought each other, but we didn't bring each other anything this time. No. It's opportune June. So we went back and looked at a former Watcharama subject. I understand if you're a little confused, we have so many themed months around here. August Watcharama is where we get caught up on things that we haven't had a chance to check out at all yet. Opportune June is where we look at things we've already checked out more. Yeah, Fair that's, assessment. that's really well done. Uh, we normally have rules. Do the rules apply? Who cares? Yes? No, the rules don't apply. Not for Opportune June. Not for Opportune June. We probably I mean, are... the only rule is that there will be spoilers. Right. But that's always in place. Oh, spoilers are always in play. You know that. You're, you're, you, if you're here, you know that. And you know what Caitlin will say to you if you have a problem with spoilers. It's get the fuck out if you weren't sure. It's exactly that. So, in looking back over previous uh, Watchrama selections, we had done a lot of movies, um, not a lot of things that made it easy to revisit, but there was one item in there that we checked out last year. Was it last year? I believe so, yeah. Um, that would have been fairly quick and easy to uh, to revisit and spend some more time with, and that was Die. Not as in... Die. Not as in cease to live, although it is a clever pun on that, but no, the singular dice. This is a graphic novel series from Karen Gillan and Stephanie Hans. Image Comics, which is the publisher who put it out, describes it as a pitch-black fantasy where a group of 40-something adults have to deal with the returning unearthly horror they barely survived as teenage role players. If Karen's in a rush, he describes it as goth Jumanji. I like that. So we had done the, the first trade last year. The yep. second trade is now out at the... Did you finish the first trade last year? Did we both finish it? We both did. Yes. So by the end of the first trade, our uh, heroes who had previously, um, they had disappeared for initially two years. Is that what it was? Or was it longer than that? Yes, it was two years when they were teenagers. They disappeared for two years when they were teenagers into this fantasy type world um, that was put to them as like a custom made role playing game by their friend Solomon. Um, everyone but Solomon came back and on his 40th birthday, sort of our main character, Ash, um, someone, he finds another one of these original dice that whisked them away to the world of die. And then they all end up back there. Um, defeat Saul pretty, who has since become like the grandmaster of the realm in the time yeah. since, um, and decide to, uh, fix the world. And two of them decide they're going to stay and do that. And the other three, I believe, do not want to do that. 
And that's where we left on the first trade and the second trade. Good Lord, Kate, how do we even describe what happens in the second trade? You find out more about the world. A lot of politics come into play. And someone who you thought was a good guy becomes a bad guy. (laughs) Which one? So many of them (laughs) at different times. There was actually a very helpful um, piece in the back. I don't know if you saw any of the essays that got published um, in the single issues that then got collected in the back of the trade. Um, But one of them by Gillen basically posited the question regarding how we feel about our main character. Like, the question to ask yourself is, do you like Cersei Lannister? Right. And... I kind of think that's letting him off the hook a little bit because I don't buy anything Ash is doing. If that makes sense. I don't know where any of this comes from for her. Interesting. Am I missing something completely or? Um, her I don't fir- know. Her I first think... moment is she kills Saul at the end of the first trade. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, we all have to agree to want to go back. Saul's never going to agree. Well, bam. Saul ain't here. Now we can go home. Um, And then when two of them decide they want to, you know, fix the world that they broke to try to get themselves to that point. Whoa. (laughs) One of them decides that. The other one is like, this world is better than the world I live in. (laughs) Right. One has noble ideas and one's just like, I'm having too much fun. Um, and then they break off to try to, I don't know, figure out what that means. They both never split the party, as they say. Both uh, groups make their way back to Angria. Is that what it was called? I believe so, yeah. The sort of capital city or most powerful country of this world. Everybody's trying to get to Angria for uh, different reasons or to use it in different ways to achieve their goals, um, Ash, his sister, and uh, what is the Grief Knight's name? Matt? Matt. They are still of the mind of, like, we have to get home. Other elements, like Kate said, this is more of a fleshing out of the characters' um, batch of stories. We learn that Ash apparently has a child with a vampire. Yes. Um, th- I, think it's, I think he's a god, the vampire guy. I'm pretty sure he's a god. I couldn't read the lettering. Is his name Zamorna or Zamoma? I think it's Zamorna. Zamorna. And, fuck, I read it so fast. (laughs) Fill in some details, Kate. Um, well, okay, so going back to your point about about Ash, I think there's, even though this fleshed the characters out a lot, there's still a lot we don't know about them. Her especially. I know Um, nothing about her. Yes. Um, and I think... At least the hints I got is that Ash kind of would rather be, and Ash is not a good person. Like Ash would rather be in this world. Um, Seems like it, despite putting, uh, you know, we have to get home at like the center of her, like everything well, she's think, doing I is think, just to get us home. But I think there is this fight. I think there's a fight between her feeling like she's responsible. And also her having this power 
and being a woman, and I think that's part of the struggle. Um, and also, I think but, something that kind of gets hammered a little more um, in this volume than the first, maybe, is how, you know, in the IRL, Ash is a man named Dominic. Is that his name? Yes, Dom. Dom. Um, and they almost have a conversation about what's up with being playing the game as a female character. Is she trans? Is she gender fluid? Like they skirt up to that conversation, but don't actually have it. And that's deliberate storytelling on the part of Gillen. Um, so are there things that aren't said that we're supposed to glean about who Dom slash Ash actually feels she is. And she wants to hold on to that in this world. Um, despite putting the quest for home at the center of everything. Um, yeah, just really hard to, get a read on her as she goes full, like seizes power, basically um, yeah. puts a bunch of things in motion to basically become, you know, dark queen of the realm um, aided and abetted by, you know, another couple other members of the party. Um, and then by the end of this trade, things shift again. The party is still split, but there have been some new alliances kind of formed Um Charlotte Bronte shows up. Which I was like, ah! <laughs> Did that send you on a Google, uh, on a Google dive or no? Nah? I did a brief one, but. Uh, no, it didn't. I just, I know uh, a little bit about what they were talking about. Um, Basically that but... this world is rooted in the like juvenilia writings of like the Bronte family, specifically Charlotte and the brother, what was his name? Barnett? Um, Bramwell. Bramwell. And that Angria was like, it, honestly, it kind of goes recreators for a minute. <laughs> That's what I was reminded of. Yeah. Reading it. Yeah, it does. Um, where this like world that the Brontes like wrote stories about when they were kids, kind of forms or maybe it was already in existence before they started dreaming stories about it and like that that stuff is still still to be revealed because basically they find out that like these fallen these enemies that they always fought are people because when Saul gets killed he turns into a fallen but at the same time they were the first people to visit die like there's this paradox that they keep bringing up well <laughs> yeah that was really interesting because I think that it is a world that always exists and changes mm. with the creation of fantasy. I think that's sort of what we're getting to um, because uh, Saul says in a couple, a couple different moments that he basically like made it out of what was there and the bricks. Right. He made this world of the bricks that were already there, which is really every all fantasy, right? Like it uses pieces of other things, um, which I thought was really cool, actually. Which I guess, yeah, that brings us to the most like important part. Like, like knee jerk, did you enjoy reading this? Was it was this fun for? Was it enjoyable? Are you amped for the next trade to come out? Like. Yeah, I'm. I super enjoyed reading it. I mean, 
some of the I am struggling. Well, okay, just straight off the bat, I can't remember her name. She's the the cleric. The Is he? cleric. The Godbinder. Yes, I Izzy. can't remember her name. Isabel. Isabel. I have huge issues with Isabel and the Joker being like, "Fuck your families." Like I. <laughs> I know that they were like, or at least she was like, this is, these are real people. We've, we've left this world in absolute chaos. Um, but at the same time, there are people who got really fucked up being in that world and have families and have no way to get back to them. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Isabel should have, I think I needed to see more of where she came from, mm. of more of where she's coming from as far as, like, it's not, like, these people are real. This is not just your families. It's the, it's these people who have real lives in this fantasy world. Um, I think if she had been the one to stumble across Frodo-esque hobbit-esque world i think that would have made sense how do you mean like from the first trade yeah like instead of it being ash right if it had been isabel and she had seen sort of the horrors his sad story about trying to send his letter back to whoever yeah um i think i think that would have built towards that and i'm not saying it's totally unjustified it just i would have liked to see more character development there um but it is interesting how the story – I mean, what Kieran Gillen has done is, is he's, he's also talking about those injuries that you have when you're an, a teenager. And if you don't resolve those issues, how they can sort of fester. Mm. Um, and that I really think is interesting as well. Um, so there's sort of a lot going on in the story, and I find all of it interesting. Um, I am really interested to see what happens, though. <laughs> I want to know how in the world things are going to go with Ash, um, how they're going to try and fix the world, um, you know, what's going to happen with the other three characters. Yeah, I'm just interested in all of that. I, I think my beef with Ash is that thing that I always have with anime where, like, it's just too OP, right? Like, it's just, I need something to check Ash. I need something to make Ash, like, pause for a minute. You know, I need I need that thing from anime where, like, you know, Joe gets the one uppercut in on Yuri and gives Yuri something to think about, right? Like, I need... It's right. right. Megalobox is on Netflix as well. That's why that popped into my head. You know, I need... You think you're going to get it when she goes to, like... Because there are all these... I'm not even going to get in all the fucking rules of the world and shouts to, uh... I mean, Kate knows better than I if these are, like, archetypes of you know, tabletop RPGs, but like all the rules he's got set up for like the dictators and all that. Like, I don't know if he came up with that that, or those are types. That that's different, but the, the archetypes are the same, but the, I mean, I think their, their character, like concepts, they pull from a bunch of different things. Mm. Um, but they're really cool. But like, yeah, Ash has basically got the Jesse Custer voice. Um, but it's like, there's a bunch of rules involved and, the whole, like, class has, like, 
they call them chains. Like they basically, they have patrons. They always have somebody they work for. And the patron is like their power check. The one who can always like, you know, a patron can kill their own dictator. Um, yeah. And Ash goes to wherever place where they, you know, basically make the chains between patrons and, and dictators and wants all the chains broken. So basically she's going to be like super powerful. And you think, you know, these other bodyguards basically that are guarding this guy, um, you think they're going to be the ones to like give her a check, but it lasts for like two seconds. And then she's like, Oh, they came out really strong. Blah. I'm Ash. You explode. I'll say some dark things about we're all breathing you in. Like, I don't, you're too OP. I need, and maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I'm not supposed to, maybe I misread that character from the jump, despite the like first volume being so centered in her POV to make you think that like, you know, this is our air quote hero. And maybe that was my naivety to think that like, Oh, here's, here's the person to root for. Nah, she ain't really seemed to be, seemed to be that. Um, but yeah, I'm interested as well. Um, looks like the back of the trade has like a, like the layout of a four sided die with the numbers one to four. And like on the second trade, the two was colored in. So I don't know if that's, if that's the plan to go for four trades, um, and be done at that. But that means they're at the halfway point and that's, Hmm. Be interesting. I don't know. He's played just, there's just a lot going on in this book. (laughs) There's so much. There's, there's a lot of politics. There's a lot of like, you know, people changing sides. It's interesting. Art is hit or miss for me, but more hit than miss. Um, You know what? Weirdly, I agree. (laughs) There's just some times where like, I can't quite tell what's going on. And at those points, I just kind of like focus on the dialogue and skim through and it doesn't bother me that much. But like I went back and read the first one and maybe it's, it might be the coloring as well. Um, like obviously I had to go back and read the first trade before I went into the second one. And like when Dom gets, you know, the dice on it or the die on his birthday and the scene is he's going to go out, he goes out into the street and almost smashes it with a rock. But like when I looked at the artwork, I couldn't even tell that he had thrown it on the ground. Like it just looked too muddied. And that's the type of thing that happens a lot with the artwork. It's not bad. I don't right. say the artwork is bad, but just maybe I know Stephanie Hans met Karen Galen from like doing covers and that's a different skill set. I'm not saying she doesn't have the skills, but like when you, when you're more focused on covers, going to sequential can be a bit of a, can be a little rougher sometimes. And I just had some difficulty following the action, um, with some of the choices she made with the artwork, but it doesn't mean it's bad by any means. It just means I found it a little hard to read sometimes. And again, maybe that's just me. No, I, I agree. I feel the same way. And um, and some of the faces sometimes, um, they don't totally, I think, capture everything. Mm. Uh, but definitely, yeah, it, I had to go back and read the first one because I started reading the second one and I was like, oh, there's so much I don't remember. <laughs> who are these people? <laughs> yeah, who are you? Um, spent way too much time on Angela and her dog. I didn't think we need to spend yeah. that much time on that. I feel like, I also feel like we didn't get to connect with her dog very much. Not enough to believe why she would like, you know, go so long. Why she would put everybody at risk for so long for the sake of this yeah. like robot dog. 
Also really feel like Karen Gillan had some things to say about video game development and just kind of shoehorned it, <laughs> it in there. Yeah. Cause she's a, well, I mean, he did a big chunk of that essay was devoted to that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He basically admitted as much in the essay, but I didn't know that it really, uh, why you're talking to your robot dog about, you know, crunch time in your life just seemed a little, seemed a little wonky to me. Um, this is not a bad read by any means. Karen Gillan has earned his bona fides as far as I'm concerned in the life of this podcast between Phonogram and Wicked and Divine and everything else we've talked about that he's done over the years. Like, this is not a bad read. If you are a tabletop RPGer, there's probably a million things that you will pick up on that I would not. Um, what was the one thing? Safety tools? Did he mention that? One of the chapters is called Safety Tools or something? It's like a phrase uh, from RPGing. It's like a card with an X on it. And if somebody gets uncomfortable with what's happening, they tap it. And then the, the GM knows to oh, I see. Yeah, adjust the storytelling. Um, there's different variations on that. I had never heard of that before. It was not a concept I was familiar with. So that was, you know, there are things like that that get thrown in probably very frequently that I had someone like me would never pick up on. But if you're in that world more, you probably pick up on that stuff. And maybe it's a more fulfilling read for you for that reason. But not bad if you're not from that world either. Um, kick punches for me. I don't know what I gave it initially, but it's like a seven and a half for me. Yeah, uh, I'd say an eight for me. I mean, at the end of the day, we both are still into the story and want to see oh, yeah. where it's going. Like, I didn't, uh, I may have had more, <laughs> we've got quibbles. I may have had more quibbles with this, <laughs> with this chapter than I did the first, but I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same thing I'm noticing about as I evaluate art in general. Like when it's new, you're like, Oh my God. And now you know what you're getting. So it's got to kind of stand on its own, stand on its own a little more. And sometimes the hot new, new carries it a little further than it does when you, uh, when you're familiar with it. But again, none of that makes this bad. It is cheap as free on most of your library apps. Um, and definitely worth a read. Yeah, agreed. Just agreed with that analysis. But um, <laughs> thanks, buddy. I will, uh, but I, I think it definitely. Not to trying to discourage anybody, but anybody who's also played any tabletop, you definitely there are some things in there that you're like, yeah. Um, <laughs> like what? Give me an example. That it's kind of it's kind of just like a cool nod to certain tabletop things. Like what? Do you have an example? Um, oh, just uh, so when the Joker talks about like the idea of of charisma and luck, right? And just like kind of going for it's very. I feel in my mind. Right. You can he was like me if you want, but he was talking about his wives, wasn't he? His ex wives. Uh, yes. Well, there is. He talked about the luck thing a couple different times, and just sort of like as long as he doesn't think too hard about it, right? his luck will carry him through. And it's not specifically a mechanic of, of say a bard, but that's in a way the kind of the way the bard works in, in depending on what kind of bard you have in, in Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm sure there are characters that work on luck. Um, there was definitely a type of mage in magic, the Gathering, not magic, the gathering, sorry. Um, oh, mage, the Awakening, one of the, vamp like, it's part of the Vampire Masquerade White Wolf right. world. 
um, there was a, somebody who would like jinx people and that kind of thing. But, and luck has been something that's worked in tabletop games, but it just, it, there are so many characters I know that it's just, as long as they don't think too hard or plan too hard, they'll just make it work. <laughs> um, and I really, I enjoy that. Um, the, you know, the, the sword that talks to Matt, Right. that that is a very common thing in D and D to have a, a sword that will talk to you. I did um, like uh, I did like the portion. I did like his portion when he kind of went off uh, on his own and like entered whatever hall with all the weapons, and it's like alluded that yeah. to that there was this like you know a bunch of weapons he could have picked. Like there was like a hammer that was for like and it's like chiding him. It's like you should have picked me. He's like the anger hammer. He's like the rage hammer. Yeah. His gimmick is that, you know, his emotions power his weapons and he's the grief knight. So like the sadder he gets because he's a little depressed boy, teenager. Like, so the sadder he gets, the more powerful he is. And the... Which is such an emo concept. Like, <laughs> I love it. It's just such something I would do when I was a teenager. <laughs> I, like, And there's nods like that too, right? And even the characters talk about, you know, as a teenager, I thought this was going to be great. Um and when you actually live it, it's not. And they talk about things about um, basically the kind of the concept in D&D of being a murder hobo, which is... A murder hobo. Have you never heard the term murder hobo before? I had. This is my first time hearing the phrase murder hobo. Okay. So adventures, basically, they, by and large, you, you adventure around. You don't really have a home base. Mm-hmm. And you murder things, and you don't have a home. So that's where Murder Hobo comes Murder from. Hobo. Um, and there is a, a discussion I've been having with Senior Correspondent, who runs three different D&D games right now, um, and at one time was running a fourth, um, where, you know, how do you get your characters not just to murder things and move on, right? How do you get them to... to um, you know, put down roots or besides making them all lawful good, how do you make it so that they actually feel sort of the impact of the world? I mean, part of the world is is the fun of being able to just go around and take a giant hammer and smash stuff. Um, but there's also something to be said for playing it with a little bit more character. Um and they talk about that, right? Like when he was ta- talking about Zamorna, you know, or that, or the in the first trade, the 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 night of kisses and love, or whatever it was. Right. She's, you know, she she bound him because she thought it was going to be, you know, a fun time. And meanwhile, he turns into some sort of horror. Yeah. Um, that has maggots coming out of his eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he melted all over her face. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So just that idea of, like, repercussions for what you're doing in-game is something that has been sort of talked about more, I think, in the last five years than I've ever heard of it be talked about before. Um, and it's funny that it's sort of reflected in this in this trade, in these comic books. Good job, Karen Gillett. Well, there you go, table toppers. A world of inside references and nods that plebes like yeah. me just never even pick up on. 
fine. It's still a good read. <laughs> it is a good read. And like I said, cheap as free on most of your library apps. If you have a library card, get yourself some Hoopla. It's sitting right there. You can read the entire thing for nothing. Free content. That's amazing. What do we love more than free content, Kate? Nothing. It's very, very little. I can't think of <laughs> snacks. Snacks and free content. Oh, yeah. Snack. I'm sorry you meant in like the entertainment world. <laughs> like you might as well not. Hey, you know what? You have hmm. free, free content so you can spend more on snacks. Right. Always looking out for you, friends. Friends, yeah. Opportune June concludes next week. One to go before it's uh, hiatus time. We take July off, yeah. at least. Just sit, at least. Just sit and swelter for the month of July. But we're throwing it over to y'all, listeners. We'll mention this on Twitter when I post the episode. That next week, listener choice. Is there anything you cannot believe that we have not checked out yet. You listen to this show every week and you're like, surely this week they must have checked out X and you are just flummoxed at the end of every show when we haven't. And you say to yourself, I cannot believe these fools. I give you an hour of my time every week and you haven't talked about X. Well, tell us what X is and we'll watch it next week. Basically, you're just a disappointed parent. (laughs) We've been letting you down for months. Just give us a chance. This is like when like your mom says you never do the laundry and then you try to do the laundry and she says, no, you'll break my washing machine. I'll do it myself. Don't be like that. <laughs> Just tell us what you want us to watch and we'll watch it. My God. We can't promise we'll like it. No, we cannot. <laughs> Buyer beware. We may not like it that much, but we will watch it. So if you have any suggestions, get at us on the Twitter, at GeekDownPod. Get at us on Facebook. Get at us via email, GeekDownPod at gmail.com. Like, however. If you see us in the Homing st- pigeon. Homing pigeon. You see me in the street, throw a can of beans at my face, just stay six feet away. <laughs> Morse code. Be like, yo, watch. I don't know. I don't even know what's out there. <laughs> Original Battlestar Galactica. That'd be for me. Caitlin's probably already seen it. I have not. <laughs> Do not give us original Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> you can give us anything else but that. And we will be back next week to let you know what that was and whether or not we enjoyed it. Friends, thank you so much for continuing to spend your time with this and the nightmarish hellscape we endure week in and week out. <laughs> we hope we bring you a little joy to help you get through your week. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Kate McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And remember to say to stay chipper and positive and continue to shop online, but not Amazon if you can help it. Tap. Only white people who grew up around this area <laughs> know that song. <laughs> I know, seriously.